period ago. That's what I wanted to show you. So the slide before this said, applying discernment. If you remember last week, I talked about the ladder and the scaffolding, right? And what I want to tell you is that your job as listeners is not to evaluate whether or not I'm doing a good job. That's a small part of what you get to do. That happens anyway. Your job, of course, is to figure out what am I going to do with what he's talking about up there, more importantly than what I'm talking about, what the Bible says, right? And so this wise fellow took my ideas about ladders and scaffolding, obviously, and got really excited. I can imagine the entire way through the sermon is saying, oh, yeah, I'm going to go scaffolding in my house so I can think. Next slide, please. In case you want to know who it was. Can you hear if I see this because I don't want to name his name in public. I just want to see all right, next slide, please. So we've been looking at um, Acts 2.42, basically, and I've been speaking and we've been touching on this. And the given connection in Acts 2.42 is right there. They're devoting themselves to the apostle teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. That's the summary. And in this one, all the believers were together and had everything in common. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. And I was here in November, so whatever that was, um, I talked about communism, not communism, because that's the whole political and philosophical point of view. Communism, which is the idea that we have everything in common, that we share, we have equality, and that's going to come up again um, in this period. Next slide, please. So I'm going to give you seven principles of giving. And uh, I'm going to warn you that the Bible on money is uncomfortable. Particularly for those of us who live in what's often called the first world or the rich western part of the world. Right? And so there's a warning in terms of this. Probably should, if you're listening, well, make you somewhat uncomfortable. So generosity is not about the rest of But I'm well aware that right now it is very hard for me to be generous because usually what I'm able to do is to give out of stuff that I don't actually need anyway. As we've been talking with you about our move. And you know what you do when you move, you throw it off on the stuff that you probably never should have bought in the first place. But it's pretty clear that we have too much money, right? that we have more than we need, we have extras, we have things that we use for a while and then we don't like them anymore, so we pass them on, right? Sweet generosity is in this group. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty well up in this generosity. If you actually want to understand generosity and giving in the group, Faith and giving, find a poor person who's generous. It's really quite amazing. Right? It's a whole different thing because um, so I, I walked with somebody on a journey through her life, and she was always poor in my experience of her. And um, I remember that, that we had supported her with some finances, and she gave half of it away. I said, Why did you do that? You needed that, and I knew that so you could do it this and this and this. And the answer was because they were also needed. Right? And they didn't do the time, they did 50 percent. You need I mean, I got this, you get half. And I was just overwhelmed with that reality. And to be honest, I counseled her that's not actually a good way to work. You didn't do that. Right? That's what we have to say. It's like that. Don't ask how much unless you really want to be in the and most of us probably need to admit that we would like the rules to be really clear so that we could feel very comfortable that what we are doing is giving enough. Right? So many of us have heard the biblical principle of tithing. We will not see the word tithe in this presentation or in the question three small group. 
Tithing is an Old Testament principle, and to help the guy, because I think all of you should do this, figure out your uh, income, and find out what 10% of that is, and start aiming for that and what you give away. And you'll probably find that what's going to be all about that. The New Testament doesn't actually talk about tithing, it doesn't talk about tithing. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability. So how do you know when you have reached into the level of generosity that the Bible is calling for is when you're giving beyond your ability, or when you're giving makes you uncomfortable. Right? So in this time of online giving, um, when we're going around receiving requests, and it's something that we love and, and it's dear to our heart, we will quickly say, here, and we'll pass on some money online. At no point when we're doing that at this stage are we thinking, oh, this is going to be the next week. Our generosity is out of our extra. Right? We truly want to lean into what it means to be a generous person in God's world. It will be those times that we're going, yeah, I'm not sure I can do this like my friend who just happened to get that idea with her. So we will be given away and make us feel, oh boy, now I need to trust you all again because that's what we're going to do. We're going to keep leaning into. Well, the purpose of giving is so that the church budget gets met, so that the ministries of the church can take place. Right? Um, there's a line that was given to me this week that says something along the lines of, we need to support the work of the Lord. Because we need to take that line out. You realize that we can't support the work of the Lord. That's not actually our calling at all. He's supporting us. Giving us the privilege entirely on their own, Paul says. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in the service to the Lord's people. Right? I don't know about you, but there's been plenty times in my life where I was running these days. Right there. So, this is my duty, this is my responsibility. People will know whatever is more than you there. But what about please let me participate in this opportunity here because I don't want to be part of that. Privilege, and you can feel that what Paul is writing here is calling us to a higher level in this series of giving. Next slide, please. And giving back to God. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. And so here again, the, the concept is not that we need to take subjects, it's not that we support different ministries is that we recognize something very fundamental to living in this world. You actually don't own anything. Right? The biblical language is stewardship. Right? And a steward is somebody who takes the master's material and manages it for him in the best way possible. Right? Every single one of us is a steward and not an owner in this world, and you recognize that because when you come to the end of your life, you don't get to take any of it with you. Mrs. Gomez has decided a story about a Mrs. Gomez Alpha. Um, the fellow who is so determined to take his money with him. So he prays to God, please let there be a way for me to take my money with me. Um, and so God, through the family goes himself, says, okay, so the guy converts it all into gold bullions, he has gold bricks, he takes it up into heaven, and he throws up at the pillar gate, which he's waiting for the gate to come out As he walks in, and Peter, who is always tradition, sees me coming up there, and says, Oh, you got plenty of stones, how nice. All that 
stuff that is so valuable and important to us in this world is favorite. And we have a good and past and we have all of this stuff. And there's a very tough story in the gospel where Jesus tells that parable of the rich fool who is often telling that kind of rich way to their stories. Someone who is making more money so they said, I'll basically go and do the story type of story and afford more of my stuff for myself. And then they die. And so it's very crazy and terrible. And then they get to we need to keep that perspective in mind. One that God has given us everything so that we can manage it for His purposes, and two, you can't take it with you. And that, that, that's both on the side of be generous, but also on the side of live fully. Okay? Saving so that you have a million dollars left in your account when you're done your life is kind of the same mentality as supporting and not sharing. Right? God has given us this stuff so that we can celebrate. And if we don't make this up, we do need to build beautiful and powerful things that are, that are maybe expensive so that we can celebrate who God is. We also need to be incredibly generous and to know all this stuff because a whole lot of things can be said. And then says, I think if you need seven principles, but still begs the question, but what exactly do I give to and how much exactly do I give? And that's your relationship with God kind of thing where you're going to bump into when does it make me at least somewhat uncomfortable so that I know that I'm living in the experience of generosity. And in doing so, building my relationship with God. So he gave himself, first of all, to the Lord. I think what that means is your first task is to offer your entire life to God in surrender. And so oftentimes when, when we as church talk about money, people get uncomfortable and when people will say, well, the church is always just looking for money. And that's probably true. We always are working with the budget and so on. But I want to tell you that if you are listening to this and you haven't already committed your life to Christ, I'm not actually talking to you in this case. At least I'm going to give you Christ. I do want to talk to you about giving your life to Christ because that's what's going to transform everything else. The giving actually is a second step. Right? So, I think, and Paul does a hard step later in the passage, I think this. If the whole idea of giving generously to others the work of God, keep participating in that. If that's a real struggle for you, don't think about the financial part of it. Think about the spiritual part part of it. Because that's probably the part you need to work on first. Give yourself first to the Lord. And as a person who's committed, this idea of giving should eventually start to grow in where you go, I actually like doing that. Even when it's hard, I really like participating in that. I think it's a privilege to participate in the process. Just as he had earlier made beginning to bring all sorts of completion of sacrifices your part, now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be met by your completion of it according to your need. There's not too many times when I see a need that connects to who I am and what I value and so on, but I think what I really like to do is that. Actually, carrying out the act of giving to it, right, is a different thing. And so, this, um, this really speaks, by the way, to sermon applications. Being moved by a sermon and saying, wow, that would be really good, is one thing. Taking the step of going, I'm going to talk to my accountability partner or to my small group and actually take action on what we've been talking about there, that is a different thing, right? And so, um, whether you're in a small group or not, the real question 
that go through the survey, how exactly are you dealing with the finances that affect you what you believe? I don't think you're that upset. Had that conversation with one group, I'd be killed. In fact, I think you just have to say, hey, we had that conversation with one group, but it's hard, right? So this is where we went. So, starting out on this, it's actually very good for you to pay attention to what does my heart do, what does my mind do when there's an opportunity or a challenge to do it? And be aware, there are plenty of advertisements out there also in the Christian community, maybe we do them here as well, that are kind of manipulating your emotions. So, you need to be careful with that. I want you to do it because your heart is committed to what's going on, not because you see a picture of something very sad and you feel in that moment that you need to do it. Because there are a whole lot of really, really, really important ministries in this world that don't drive your heart in. They're just really hard work. Right? And if we're going to go, I'm only going to give because, well, I really feel like that's something important. We're going to miss out on some of the very foundational things that take place in this world. So you thought that Christmas one people, why am I talking about emotions and what's going on in the world? Of course, why not? Next slide, please. Keep your focus on Jesus. Back to the Jesus of the Lord first. Back to our commandments. I'm not commanding you. And you know why he says I'm not commanding you, right? Because it sounds an awful lot like a command. Right? I also am not commanding you, but you're going to feel, as I'm thinking this, I'm sure, well, he's pretty much telling us we have to do this. Right? So that's why that's there. But I want to test sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. I don't know about you, but when I read those, Paul, you're almost over the line of manipulating yourself there. Right? I'm not forcing you to give, but you know, want to know how much you give so that I can see if your love is really at the level it's supposed to be. That's kind of what that feels like. Right? However, if you're in a community that's incredibly safe, if you're with your people, people who know you and trust you, they don't only know the nice and good side of you, the dead side of you, they also know the broken and twisted side of you. If you're in that kind of safe context and you start talking about your giving, right, and someone says, I really want to test you on this, are you going to live in that fully? I want to see you do you love as much as you say you're loving. You'll actually see that as a loving connection. You will see that as an experience of authentic and accountability. Somebody encouraging you to do exactly what you actually want to do and be able to stand beside you. I think that's where Paul is supposed to come from in that statement. You know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Keep your focus on Jesus. Jesus understood what it means, what it meant to be poor for the sake of the richness of others. And you do this not just by living a life of poverty. You know, right, that Jesus toured around with his disciples basically owning nothing. And the best understanding I have is that he had good people who were sort of sponsored for him. He had a faith ministry. If when he needed something, somebody would show up, God would send somebody who would provide the food and they would dress up in the middle of the and in doing, in doing that, he's also been exemplified, of course, by what he came to do. He came to the early in the service. He came to offer and sacrifice his very life for others, for us. 
and as his body in this world, what we're really called to be with whatever we're doing, whether that's our abilities or our finances or our time, is we are called to be the kind of people who recognize you can God's bless me so that I can bless other people. You can God has given me stuff, including money, so that I can make a difference in transforming the lives of the people around me. And I think, again, if you're wondering about how am I doing in my giving, I want you to grow in my giving. The focus isn't on your bank account. It isn't on the bottom line. It's not about math. It's actually about heart. Because if you want to grow in your giving, the best way to do that is to spend some time sitting with Jesus, reflecting with Jesus, reading through the gospel, and going, wow. Wow, look at what Jesus offered. He offered his suffering on the cross. And he understood that giving was something painful. He offered his very life so that somebody else's life could be better. And I know because I do this too. It's a whole lot easier if I can give something away so that I feel good because I've done something to somebody. I don't have to actually enter into a life and experience the anger and pain. It's the Jesus way, the incarnational way, coming and living in my ancestors and coming to me. The Jesus way is not only saying, here's $100, it's here. How can I help you get from where you're living now, if that's the place you don't want to be, to a place of comfort and hope and peace and truth? And that requires the sacrifice of a wallet to be able to get that. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. Most of the very last verse of the is also equality. And let's be honest with this, we don't actually believe in equality. That's not a mathematical principle of finances whatsoever. You get what you earn. Right? Some people earn more, some people earn less. We don't believe in equality. Fortunately, Paul's challenging us to think about this a little more deeply. At the present time, your planting will supply what they need, so that in the turn, their planting will supply what you need to grow into equality. He's basically saying this. All right, everybody, everything you make is in one big pot. And you spread out as broadly and as liberally as you can so that everybody has everything that they need along the way. Communism. Okay. And I'll have a lot nothing to do this tomorrow. But just think about it. God has you in terms of all of your financial and political and social understanding of how this world works. Right? That this isn't a world where it's about me and my property and my stuff. The Christian world is about how do we make sure that everybody gets a step up. Have you probably heard of these crazy ideas called a basic guarantee income? I mean, probably most of you are against that concept. A good possibility. But the concept, whether it's a good political idea or financial idea, I've always my way to that critique. The concept of everybody actually having, you know, everybody being equal on a level of, you know what, some of us can earn really easily. And some of us have a hard time earning. Everybody needs to be loved and safe for and valued, valued, not just money thing, but it's in the same kind of way. That's a challenging thought. That's a biblical thought with the last slide, please. Don't you feel? We're going to the Old Testament here. As it's written, the one who gathered much did not have too much, and the one who gathered little did not have too little. 
Our studio audience in Illinois comes from. We're talking about men. So I know it's not a security thing, but it's definitely a good Men, in the Old Testament, people left Egypt, went into the desert, and they complained why they didn't have enough. Or they thought they didn't have enough. God's message, by the way, throughout the Old Testament is something that God did. Our challenge, for the most part, is to try to trust God. Why is it hard to do as Jeremy says and God talks about? Because then we actually have to trust God about this. Imagine if we all actually did that crazy idea and we put all of our money in one pot and we had to trust the leadership of this church to go without the way that the people in church. Just think about the fact that that conversation would be. How do we know that they're doing it well? Right? God calls us to trust Him. You know, it's just huge to me. But when you get mad, again, just like some people can earn better than other people can earn, that's just the fact of reality. Some people can gather mad faster than other people do. But the miracle that happened in the Old Testament was this bread that came from heaven, the manna, that was lying on the ground there, it didn't matter how much you gathered, you ended up with just the portion that you needed. You know that if you didn't end up with that portion, if you try to hoard it the next day, it rotted. It made a mess. And so what happened was, these people came to understand this simple principle. Whatever I receive is from God, it's going to come every day to keep the provider. And my job is to do whatever I can to participate, to earn, to live, then to make sure that if I can do it any longer than today, so I need to do it in the past of the land of That human helps us understand that and stand your generosity. I'm providing, and you have it for me. Receive it on a daily basis. Do as much as you can to earn as you can to do whatever it is that, that gives you some opportunity to use your gift in this world. But also share it, recognizing that the one who gathered much didn't have too much to do when you guys were able to do it. God is the one who provides all this stuff. But what if we, as a community, the body of Christ in this world, are to exemplify more fully what does it mean to share on that level that we don't have what we need? Thank you. 